What's going on? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Show Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Big thanks to the title sponsor of The Big Show. That's Big O. Stop by your locally owned and operated Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the lowest price on every tire every day. Gordon, it's time for a little what's going on. We'll uh, hit on the jazz here with DJ and PK, and uh, we'll get to a little Utah football with Hans and Scotty coming up momentarily. You ready to roll? Let's do it. All right, here's uh, David and Pat this morning evaluating the Jazz through 10 games. Six and four in the first 10. Can you, can, you, can you predict with any level of confidence that they'll be better than that in the next 10? Well, I can predict that they're very capable of it. Now it's up to them to go ahead and do it. This team has got to get on a roll because the talent is there. You know, I think in the key of uh, any athletic situation is playing to what you're supposed to be or what you're capable of being, however you want to phrase it. And can this team, I don't think they're going to win every 10 games. They're going to win eight out of 10, especially, man, they haven't been hit by COVID yet uh, that we know of anyway. And, and somebody going to turn an ankle. The usual, you have the usual knickknacks that occur hopefully you don't have the uh, serious but you have guys miss games here and there as joe did the other night and then comes back those things happen in this league and then you throw in the virus and then it becomes you know what to, to what degree remains to be seen so i'm not going to predict an 80 percent winning percentage for these guys but i want to see them be consistent and do what they're capable of doing in most games because that's that's the mark of greatness is consistency and really you know if you're a role player you want to be consistent too in your role it's just that if you're a role player it's pretty much by definition that you're not going to be consistent all the time that's why you're a role player right so you can live with that to an extent because you don't necessarily have that capability to be consistent but i want to see more consistency and if we see that then I think what will logically follow is the victories. And I think it's very, very capable of happening. I see no reason why it doesn't happen. The talent is there to be, I still believe, without question, the talent is there to be top four in the West. If the talent is there to be top two or three, that's up for debate. I think it is, but they've yet to show it, but it's only been 10 games. It's possible. I mean, I can say three. The, the, the talent, when you look on the rosters, the Lakers and Clippers ought to be in the top three in the West. Who else is going to join them? Could it be the Jazz? Yes. You can also make the, case the Jazz. For, you can make the case for other teams. But, hey, if you can make the case for your team, don't worry about the case for other teams. But I can't make the case, make for the case get there. more for other teams than I can make it for the Jazz. Denver, I know some people are thinking, well, Denver, look what they've done the last two years, but too many losses in the offseason weakens the case. Well, yeah, you've got Grant. Craig, Grant, and Plumlee. Yeah. Gone, gone, gone. I think Porter's emerging. He's got the COVID thing, I think, right now, so he's out of the lineup. I think that's the reason. And he's emerging, so you, you like him. Uh, but I, I did they, see that story on Porter last night, yeah, that he's gone, and that's why. They took a hit there with some of their depth because uh, Jokic is a superstar, but I can't really say Murray is He's a very, very good player, but he's a superstar who's going to give it to you four out of five, eight out of 10. 
And he did in the bubble, that's for sure. Uh, but I'm not sure that I could say that just yet. And Jokic seems to be just a marvel. Uh, it's fun to watch him play. Now, he's super tall, but I like guys in basketball who succeed without the overwhelming athletic ability. And by that, I mean can block shots at the highest level, can dunk and go and just – they were just blessed with enormous athletic ability, and they just have to harness that into being a basketball player. Then it usually comes through work, and, and those guys do that. You know, you're LeBron to the world. But uh, Jokic doesn't have that, but he's still fun to watch as he maneuvers and passes and whatnot and does the things that he does to use angles and his body and all that. But other than that, can I look at that and say, wow, and they're just a bona fide team that you can count on them. Not yet. Maybe they'll get there. Maybe I'm disrespecting them. That's the great thing about it is through 72, 82 certainly is more than enough. And I think 72 is enough to where you get the true measure of where you're supposed to be. But all the other teams, I can make a strong argument. And maybe I'm being a bit of a homer and there's some bias to it. Because I I say people who say they don't have any bias, they're full of crap. They have. Everyone has it. I just admit them. And I have the bias because I'm watching the team and I want them to win. So it's uh, maybe there's something there to it. But I'm thinking that I can make the strongest argument that they should be third. I'll allow you Lakers and Clippers, although I'll loosely allow you Clippers. Yeah, you got to wonder the chemistry and are they really going to click here? Like, just because you have a lot of talent, we've seen talented teams and it doesn't come together for whatever reason. And maybe it won't with them, but there's still a lot of talent there. I think another team that will make a case, not as strong a case, but we, we haven't seen the Dallas team together yet. And Porzingis is getting close here. So, but you're gonna have to let him play for a while when he hasn't played. He's you know, getting close, and then he's gonna get hurt. <laughs> the Jazz see the Mavericks at the end of the month. They're coming in for one of the uh, the back to backs. They'll be here for like two games in three days. Uh, both Any in, given both game or stretch of games, the Mavericks are extremely dangerous. But how many no times over seventy two guys are the seventy two right. games they're gonna have their guys? That's to the I'm level wondering. that they'd be third in the West. And Porzingis is getting close here. So, but you're gonna have to let him play for a while when he hasn't played. He's you know, getting close, and then he's gonna get hurt. Again. <laughs> the Jazz see the Mavericks at the end of the month. They're coming in for one of the uh, the back to backs. They'll be here for like two games in three days. Uh, both Any in, given both game or stretch of games, the Mavericks are extremely dangerous. But how many no times over seventy two guys are the seventy two right. games they're going to have their guys? That's to the I'm level that they'd be third in the West. All right, there you go. That's DJ and PK breaking down a little NBA basketball today. What do you think about what uh, those guys had to say, Gordon? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I pretty much followed along with everything. It's I really don't have much of a reaction. I, I agree with them. You? I thought PK, you know, saying that as it pertains to the Jazz, that they are talented enough to do, I think he was implying, better than they've done so far, that they need to uh, get the most out of their talent and play to their potential. And I, I think we all would agree with that, wouldn't you? Yeah, I mean, we've had this conversation a number of times. I, I think they have at times hit their potential. I mean, that Bucks game was something else. But yeah. we, we haven't seen it every yeah. night. And we haven't seen it against different yeah. schemes, and there have been different things that have been more effective in, in playing the Utah Jazz than others. But, uh, uh, yeah, I, I think we haven't seen their full potential from maybe a record standpoint or going on a big run. But, I mean, at times I think we've seen the pedal to the ground, and it was, it's looked really, really good. 
Right. And what does that do that sets a certain standard and you think, okay, if they're capable of playing like that some of the time, can they play like that most of the time? And it's funny because when you play well and then you don't play well, it's almost the playing well is an indictment upon you that, okay, wait a minute, why aren't you playing like that more often? And that's uh, that's the intention, I'm sure. But it hasn't really been consistent thus far. And we'll see what happens. I mean, I would expect the Jazz to win these next two games. And then they're on a nice little four-game win streak. And uh, so... Uh, maybe that's what this this period of time is good for for them to be able to iron these things out, because when they don't shoot the ball well, Jake, it, it just seems like uh, it all goes south from there. But as you pointed out yesterday, the win over Detroit was encouraging from a standpoint that uh, they didn't shoot the ball consistently well throughout. They started real well, but they still were strong enough to uh, finish the game and win it. So yeah, you're going to have nights like that, but. If you can win more of those games than you lose, then then uh, then you can take advantage of when you when you are playing at your peak, and you finish with a nice record. Well, this team last year struggled with teams that uh, that were as good or better than them, and they they feasted on teams that were not. And I I think they need to build on that and not drop games like they did necessarily against the Knicks and the shorthanded Nets. You know, need to take care of business in those games because it's going to be tight in the West and wins are going to be at a premium. So. You know, save those, uh, you know, have those great games against teams like the Bucks and, and like they did against the Clippers uh, earlier this year and and pick those wins where you can get them. But they got to win games like tonight. I mean, no yeah. doubt. They got to they gotta put these in the win column and then move on because there's not going to be a whole lot of room for error. Exactly. Same thing against the Wizards. Yeah. Yes, no doubt about it. All right, let's move on to uh, Hans and Scotty. Uh, today they got into uh, the University of Utah and what they're doing uh, recruiting. Here are those guys. I don't know if Utah's announced it yet, but the young man has a transfer at running back from OU to try to uh, to try to help uh, help solidify that room a little bit. This guy is a five foot nine, two hundred pound bowling ball, and his name is TJ Pledger. He's uh, a top recruit out of California, and he was Oklahoma's second leading rusher. Last year, he had 451 yards on 95 carries and five touchdowns last year for Oklahoma. And I've had an opportunity to talk to somebody about this kid that is not associated with the program, uh, but somebody that knows this kid extremely well and knows what he's able to do at the college level. And his exact words were, Hans, this is the best running back in the portal. As far as running backs in the portal are concerned, he said, this is the best running back in the portal. So that tells you one of two things. Either the portal doesn't have a ton of talent, and this guy is just, you know, mediocre talent in the portal. Or, And by the way, this guy who told me this, he knows football better than I know football. So he, I, I trust his opinion on this. Or it tells me that Utah just landed a real deal running back that can come in and and help fill the void that we've we've now got by by losing such a young incredible talent it's 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 still kind of hard to see even to talk about the running back position in, in utah's needs it really is without thinking about ty jordan and and his impact but there is there is a need there and i do think that pledger is going to be able to fill it i've got 
a couple of other thoughts. So, Pledger will come in from Oklahoma. You've got Micah Bernard, who was the other young kid that showed a lot of talent last year, but didn't get the reps. You've got recent signing uh, Ricky Parks, who we'll see what he can do. My gut tells me that there's probably going to be one more portal signing. Based off of what Utah needs, what level of competition they like to have, uh, how often backs get hurt, or, or you know, let's say we're still dealing with COVID situation next football season, and you're still having to follow through protocols, you're going to need another solid option at running back. So just going off of a gut feel, I wouldn't be surprised to see another signing out of the portal for the University of Utah. So you don't think they're done? Huh? I don't. Uh, I don't personally feel comfortable going into the season with TJ Pledger, Micah Bernard, and Ricky Parks as my three options. Uh, I I need one more durable, reliable, consistent option. Some other good news for Utah yesterday. They got a commitment from a four-star kid here in the state out of Ogden, uh, played for Weber High, and he, he is uh, he's like a nephew to me. It's Ben Moa's son, former Utah tight end Ben Moa. So he's got one son at Utah State uh-huh. and now one going to Utah. And, and Ice is basically a universal talent. He's a, an athlete. He's a guy that you would sign as an athlete. Where do you think they'll put him? Well, he plays at receiver in seven-on-sevens. He plays a defensive end in certain sets. He could play outside linebacker. He's going to play defense, isn't he? <sighs> yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 I personally – so he – He's one of the more dominant wide receivers when he yeah. when he's out there because he's a big body. He can get separation. He's got great speed. I see him as an, an eventual hybrid, like a Trevor Riley type in that in that Morgan Scully defense. Gotcha. Where you can move. You're you're in, asked to be in some coverages. You get to be a part of multiple blitz packages. You can be lined up as a, a five technique off a jet set, looking for speed pressures. Like there's a lot of ways you can use that universal tool and that's the position I'd work him into as just kind of a a total athlete so that's big news for Utah as well again four star kid one of the the most highly touted recruits here in the state and alumni son yes he's a legacy kid he's a legacy kid and has an opportunity to be really really special and how many more uh, how many more boys does uh one. Does Ben have one more? Uh-huh. Yeah, he might be the best of them. Oh, really? Yeah. He's definitely the meanest. Uh, Dad won out on this one. I'll tell you that. Dad won out because there were, there were other pressures. Oh, really? Yeah, there were other pressures. From for, about 40 for miles south? Yeah. Yeah. All right, there you go. Hanson Scotty talking a little University of Utah and uh, talking recruiting right there as uh, as uh, Utah, you know, continues to be 
um, a, a Pac-12 team, Gordon, and uh, that thinks they're going to be pretty good next year if they just you know do some things to adjust the roster. And we're going to see this more. You know, they got the running back transfer as those guys were talking about from Oklahoma. Uh, I, I would guess they're going to add another running back through the through the transfer portal, like likely given what they've lost uh, not only through Ty Jordan's unfortunate situation, but also uh, you know losing Jordan Wilmore and Devin Brumfield. There's an opportunity as we talked about yesterday to come in and and play. Uh, running back, but also you know continue to win some of those local recruiting battles, which uh, which Coach Witt has hung his hat on for so long. Yeah, and I think that uh, Utah, as mentioned, is does have a very promising uh, future over the next couple of years with the talent they have in that program. And I think we were all predicting that as this last season was unfolding. Ty Jordan was a big part of that. Uh, uh, now, now they'll have to find someone else. May he rest in peace. Uh, but uh, there's a, still a lot of talent there, and I've already seen some preseason way too early rankings, and I've seen the Utes uh, as high as I think the highest I saw him was like tenth or something, eleventh somewhere. In Mick that Murphy range. had him eleventh. Did he have him at eleventh? Yeah. So yeah, I think I think that's in line with what I would expect. Wow. This is a tremendous, uh, tremendous compliment, I think, to Utah's program now that a kid like this guy out of uh, Oklahoma automatically sees an opportunity at a program where he can thrive in the Utes, and so he, he wants to come here. And if he is as good as Hans's source was telling him he is, then uh, he'll fit right in very nicely. You think Utah should be ranked right around 11th? In the in the preseason polls, now, that, I mean, that far might, be that it, might. far be it for me to question the great Breck McMurphy, who I respect very much. But that that seemed that seemed high to me for a for a team replacing its major offensive components. No, I was I was using that as an example of the the evaluation of the talent in the program. Oh, because, I thought I thought you said that seemed about right to you. Sorry, I didn't oh, mean to maybe mis- maybe I said maybe I maybe I said that, but, but I do think that they're going to be really good. I know they have stuff to to take care of now, and it's been complicated by uh, Ty Jordan being gone from the program now. But uh, I I still think there's a lot of talent there. Uh, What's going to happen at the quarterback position? I'm not sure. And that's such an important role. Uh, Everybody knows that. But there is talent all around, uh, especially if this Pledger kid is as good as as advertised. Well, yeah, I mean, he was the second-string guy at Oklahoma. I mean, there's a reason he wasn't the first string guy, I suppose. And I'm, I'm a yeah. little, uh, forgive me if I'm a little down on senior transfer quarterbacks at the moment. So I don't, I don't know. There's, there seems like a lot of question marks there offensively to have. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm thinking in relation to being ranked 11th in the country going into next year. It seems to me right. that there's some important questions to be answered. But I mean, Devin Lloyd coming back is a huge coup because that guy yeah. is a rock star, and I, I have no doubt that Utah defensively is going to be really good. But Didn't is it going to be Ford another one of those? He's coming back too. I think Nick, Nick said he was coming back as well. Right. So, I mean, they're getting, you know, I, I get it. And I think Utah has the potential to be good for sure. But, I mean, there's there's just those question marks that need to be that need to be answered before I'd say, you know, 11th is extraordinarily high. But you saw the progress the program was making this last season. Yeah. and I, I mean, That was pretty clear to everybody. But I, I am uncomfortable talking about this because it's such a terrible situation. But the optimism offensively was coming from one major part. Well, that was that was a big part. Yeah, sure. it was huge because he was so good. So good. 
And that was a, that was a big part of the optimism for me looking at Utah offensively. Now, there's plenty of reasons to be optimistic defensively. I, I mean, really optimistic, def- optimistic defensively. Uh, but we've seen Utah defenses be really good and the offense let them down. And not that I'm predicting that's going to happen, I guess, but, uh, I mean, you got to find out who they're going to have at RB1 and QB1 and how good they're going to be. I thought, RB1, I thought the RB the RB one question I think is answered in part by the track record at Utah. When was the last time they didn't have a good running back? And you're right about that, absolutely. But I I I don't they don't have anybody there now. Well, now this transfer, but we got to figure we got to find that out, right? And the transfer yeah. portal you've got to admit has been somewhat hit or miss. I I have heard good things about him, and Hans confirmed that. There and uh, with with the emphasis the Utes put on that run game, I would imagine that uh, I, if I had to bet right now, I'd say they're going to have a really talented run game this next year. And again, that's based on their track record. Yeah, I so hear. I would, they I deserve kind of, the benefit. I, that of doesn't the doubt. mean that it has to be that way, but it surely could be. But that that is where a lot of the optimism came from offensively for the Utes, right? I mean, uh, Ty Jordan was so good. And he, he was. was such a big part of that offense that no that I, I just that, that's a big <laughs> that's a big those are big shoes to fill. Let me just put yep. it that way. And then in no the QB QB one's always a question when it comes to the Utes. So I, those are some big things. But I, I'm with you on the defense. I just don't know if I could. Uh, and who cares? You know, Brett McMurphy knows more than I do. But I don't know if I could put him as high as 11 in the way 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 too early college football poll that doesn't mean anything. Would you pick him to win the South though next year? Mm, I, you know, I don't. I don't I'm not going to hold I, you to oh, it. It's oh, way, 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 I, way too early. But I mean, yeah, where I we're was at just now. Basing it, I was basing it on the progress I saw out of that team this last year. I, I really thought they were making nice strides moving forward on both sides of the ball. And right, you got to replace Ty Jordan, and that that is a big ask for anyone. But if Again, if you look at the track record, Utah finds a way to feature that running back. And obviously, he has to have a lot of talent to fill that role, but he's certainly going to get every opportunity to gain yards through the emphasis that Kyle Whittingham puts on that part of the, the, the game. Yeah, no doubt. All right, we'll get, to, uh, we'll, uh, get back to the Jazz coming up right around the corner. Stay tuned. We have Austin's list uh, coming up at, at 3.50, which is always uh, Austin's uh, most cathartic moment of the day so stay tuned for that pk will be on with us at four and of course jazz pregame starts uh, at 4 30 pk's got a, a, a piece up at ksl.com we'll talk to him about in regards to byu we'll get to more coming up next stay tuned 97.5 and 1280 the zone You're locked on to The Big Show, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. This one goes out to Jessica, wanted the Gaslight Anthem for Let Down Songs today. Uh, she says they broke up way too soon. The audacity. Everyone knows you have to be a band for at least three decades or four stints of rehab before you're allowed to break up. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Is that the rules? Those have been legislated out there? Somewhere. 
Uh, stay tuned. PK will join the show at the top of the 4 o'clock hour. Pre-game takes over at 4.30. Tim Lacombe uh, will join me as we get you ready for the Jazz and the Cavs. Speaking of the Jazz, Gordon, uh, you've been pouring over field goal percentages today. I have, and I want to find out from you, Jake, what you think. Let me read you a name and a, and a field goal percentage, and I want you to uh, surmise which is most significant, either positive or negative. All right? Okay. Donovan Mitchell, 40.4%. Um, Royce O'Neal, let me read them off and then then you okay. give it to me. Okay. All right, Royce O'Neal, fifty percent. Rudy Gobert, forty-seven point five percent. Boyan Bogdanovich, thirty-five point five percent. Mike Conley, forty-five point six. Joe Ingles, forty-seven point one. Jordan Clarkson, forty-nine point two. Derek Favors, sixty percent. George Niang. 26.3 and I'll stop it there. Um so uh let's see. So you're asking me if if they're good positive or negative what jumps yeah, out at me. Which, which, what which one stand, which one which one stands out? Which ones stand out to you the most? And given the fact the reason I bring this up is because shooting is such an important part of what the Jazz are doing this year obviously. Shooting is important to every team. I get that. But this year with their emphasis on creating shots and then making them and the emphasis on that offensive side, which sometimes is triggered by the defense, as Quinn often points out, but those shooting percentages are are important, really important, and uh, I think especially for this team. Um. Well, Rudy's at fifty-seven point five percent. By the way, not forty-seven point five. Did I say forty-seven? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just to, right, just okay. because forty-seven would be really, really alarming. Fifty-seven yeah, and 57. a half is, I'm is sorry. no. That's fine. It that's still a little low, I'd say, but uh, certainly less alarming than forty-seven and a half for Rudy. Um, the the Bogdanovich one stands out to me because. If you look at his three point percentage, which is also down, but it's at thirty two point three, and he's shooting thirty five point five from the field. His effective field goal percentage is at forty four point two. He is not scoring at the rim. He's really struggling uh, when he gets to the basket, which we've kind of seen with the eyeball test, right? So just kind of he's, well, he's struggling at both places, as far as I can see. Well, yeah, but thirty two point three is is. I mean, a lot better than George Niang's 18.8, and he doesn't right, have an injury to, still, to say. But it, it, that's it, still it, beneath his norm. Right, but I think he's hurt. And this just actually kind of cements that in my mind. And to be honest, I, I expected his three-point percentage to be a little lower than that. So 32.3 is not that – I mean, if that's his bottom-out number, I don't think that's as alarming as people may think. I mean, Donovan, for example, is, is shooting 35.2% from three which is not that much better than what Bogdanovich is currently doing. Um, on top of that, I would say 45.6% for Mike Conley is amazing. Yeah, He needs to, he needs to keep that rolling uh, in that direction. So from a positive side, I think that's really good. Also from a positive side, Royce O'Neal shooting 50% from the field and 48.8% from three. Awesome. That's really good. That's really good. Considering he's only getting 5.2 shots per game, I, I think that that stands out uh, from a positive standpoint to me as well. Jordan Clarkson at forty nine point two percent, Gordon. That that would be a career high for him. So yeah, you got to say that phenomenal. that's 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 really really good. And I'm just not, uh-huh. you know, I know you included George Niang, but I'm not going to include 
him in this conversation as of right now. There's no doubt he's struggling shooting the basketball. He's going to have to figure that out or he's not going to be in the rotation much longer. So, um, I don't know. Did I miss somebody? Is something uh, other no. than that standing out to you? No, I think those are them. Uh, Donovan Mitchell, he has said it for a number of years now that he wants to be more efficient, and I agree that he needs to be. 40% is not good enough for him. His, his effective field goal percentage now, though, is is 48.3, which isn't dreadful. No. And he's he's really shooting the ball well, catch and shoot threes. So I, I'm not I'm not alarmed by 40 percent. It needs to be better, Jake. He is the Jazz's star, and it needs to be better than that. Right, but then then he, you get his effective field goal percentage though isn't quite as bad. Right, I get that. So but it's still not. It, 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 the standard for him is awfully high now. I don't think it's alarming. I guess it depends on how you define alarming. He needs to improve. I mean, but he has played well at times. He was really good against yeah. the Pistons. He was I'm really he was the, really good against the Bucks. I'm looking at the number. Right, but I mean, a feel a, a flat field goal percentage tells a story, but it tell it doesn't tell the whole story. No, I know, I know, but his his emphasis has been on being more efficient, and that's not particularly efficient. Uh, okay. I mean, strictly by field. I agree with you. I agree with what you said about Jordan Clarkson. I mean, that that as I consider the degree of difficulty on the shots he takes, forty nine point two percent. That is nuts. Uh, yes. That I mean, he's playing out of his mind, which is is why I couldn't understand why you were bagging on him so much yesterday. But I wasn't bagging on him. I was saying, I was pointing out the difference between the way he plays and the way the rest of the team plays. <laughs> okay. I've said that 45 times. We in the all last know two what days. you were talking about. It's fine. Okay. It's it's fine. We all we all got it. The Bogdanovich number, I think, is you say he's hurt. I, I don't know. Is he hurt or is he not? If he's hurt, is, why is he playing? Uh, is he, you know, he if he's on the floor. He needs to shoot way better than thirty-five percent, Jake. Well, I think that's he's... why he—that's why he's on the floor. He's a defensive liability, and he has to shoot better than thirty-five percent because that's where he supposedly helps the Jazz win games. And if he's not shooting the ball well, if he's not helping them at that end, I'm talking about consistently. There have been times when he has. I, I, I get that. But 35% is nowhere near good enough for a man who is on the floor to provide spacing, to provide a threat from deep and from inside, do both. But right now he's just not making the shots, and then he goes down at the other end of the floor and isn't particularly good at playing defense. I think they're betting on him coming around, and he's playing because he's Boyan Bogdanovich. He plays through everything. If you followed his career, that's that's just what the dude does. And when he's on still, he's really good. He played a great game against the Bucks. But I do think the wrist, the wrist is a thing, 100%. I mean, you can't see him put on the brace and then take off the brace. And, you know, he's dealing with something. And I but, do but think that that it? has to do with as, as poorly as he's shot at the rim. I think it absolutely has to do with that injury and contact on it. But we were we were talking about this at the after last season. And what what is it about that wrist that is not healing? Uh, the surgery? I it, it, I mean, uh, he had the surgery, Gordon. What was it like? Five months ago? Six months ago? 
mean, there's you've got a, there's recovery time when it comes to these sorts of things. I think I, I I'm suppose. not I'm not all, trying to give the dude an excuse, but I think he's dealing with something that's a factor. Okay, it was all May. Right. I, I'm just talking about the way he's performing. I mean, if he's hurt, he's hurt, and the great effort to be out there on the floor trying, but he's not really helping the Jazz win games right now, not consistently. Well, he not, is a, I don't... you'll admit he's a defensive liability. Sure. Uh, but he's also, you know, you, do they beat the Bucks? Certainly like they did without him? Again, you can pick out, you can cherry pick, but I'm talking about consistency here. Right, but he's a big part of the team. I mean, you got to work him back into it. you got to give him the opportunity to do it because it's this is not, you know, if George Niang doesn't have it, then you don't play George Niang. Boyan Bogdanovich is your second-best offensive player. By the way, just as a footnote, the, the scaffolding scaffold it ligament surgery that he had, uh, uh-huh. it can take, it says, up to three to six months for contact sports, depending on the severity of injury, before you have a full recovery. So when did he have the surgery exactly? It was we May uh, May eleventh? Question mark. It was the middle of my. It was May seventeenth. So he's. So still, we're talking about uh, January now. Yeah, seven months ago. Uh, I mean, he's still yeah. dealing with it. All right. Well, I just heard what Austin said. Three to six months. Until you're able to return to contact sports. No, that's that's a full recovery, Jake. Sorry. To be clear, that's. The full recovery expectancy can take up to six months in contact sports. All right. Well, I mean, if, if you're advocating to not play Boyan Bogdanovich, I don't agree with you. That's not what I'm saying. I did not say that. I said he's on the floor, so you judge him according to what he's doing. Okay. 35% does not get it done. Well, it has at times, though, this year. That's what I guess I'm telling you. I mean, Jake, I can pick out. I mean, who's the dude that hit the shot against the, the Cavs when LeBron was playing for him back yeah, in the Sunday day? Gordon Hayward. Yeah. Oh. But, but you, <laughs> my point is, is that he's important to this team. I mean, I, I guess, okay, so he's struggling. So what's, what's the answer? Well, if, let's, let's take out the wrist as a reason for a second. What, if he's struggling, what, what, what different do you expect Quinn Snyder to do? I, I'm not saying one way or the other. I'm saying he has to play better in order for the Jazz to reach their potential. Okay. And that's one of the reasons the Jazz are 6-4 and four right now as opposed to what they might be. Undefeated? Jake, <laughs> the Jazz have not reached anywhere near their peak, and Bogdanovich is one of the reasons. That's my point. And there's still a game and a half out of first, so I guess that's good news. Why are you spinning it like that? What Let's talk mean? about Why what the I problem is. It? There are holes in the wall to the fort here, and yeah. that's one of them. They're not the perfect team. I readily admit it. Did I say they were perfect? I'm talking about what their potential is. They cannot be what they need to be or what they expect themselves to be with Bogdanovich shooting 35%. All right. I'm not worried about Bogdanovich coming around. Mm. Well, all right. We'll see how it goes. Uh, if Bogdanovich is somehow scoring 20 a night and still shooting 35%, then that's okay, right? But right now it's not even close. Even then, I'm not sure that that would be ideal because he he's a defensive liability. He's on the floor to score for the Jazz and to spread the court. And if teams think that he's he, he is not a threat offensively, then that 
could potentially jam things up. He is he capable of playing better? If you look at his at the track record through the years, he gets better every year. And this is what his seventh or eighth year, something like that. And so we, before the season started, we were talking about him even making more progress. And yet, right now, he's what's he scoring twelve points a game, something like that, shooting thirty five percent. That's just not good enough. And and it needs to improve. This is one of the areas that we look at with the Jazz. We're not talking about a team that's at the end of the season right now. We're doing a season wrap. We're talking about what needs to happen for this team to fulfill what it, it, its plan is for itself. And they can't do it when one of their key acquisitions before last season to shoot the ball is not shooting the ball efficiently. What factor do you guys think it plays into that he's shooting two less times per game total than he was last season? Do you think if he shot at least two more times a game that he would shoot himself out of the doldrum? Not based on what I've seen out of the games when it has not been going well for him. It, you know, he had the one game where he started real slow and then got hot. I think that was the game he actually wore the brace. Uh, if I, am I remembering that correctly? But uh, on a lot of occasions when he's not shooting the ball well, if he put up two more shots, I'm guessing that they wouldn't go in. Uh, he played well one game with the brace, and it's when he got the layup right out of the gate, and then he didn't play well the other time. But I think if this continues much further, I think they should just cut him. <laughs> Jake. He, All right, should, I'm done. I, I think he should just be released. I'm done. <laughs> Going up next, Austin's list. He'll probably put me on it. Uh, we'll get to that straight ahead. Stay tuned. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The Zone Sports Network is Utah's number one choice for sports radio in Utah. From DJ and PK to Hanson Scotting and the Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, the Zone continues to dominate the competition. Thank you to all of you that continue to make the Zone Sports Network Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports station. Your home for the best coverage of the teams you're passionate about is right here. 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. All right, let's get out to The Zone phone. Joining us now is our friend Alex. You can uh, find out what they're doing at globelifefamilyheritage.com. Alex, welcome back to the big show. How are you? Good. How are you doing, Jake? Hey, I'm doing great, and and we love you guys because you really help our listeners with some very important stuff uh, when it comes to, you know, our health. Absolutely. You know, um, so with, with the, the different policies that we offer, we we do a lot of different things, but before uh, – before I, I, I want to, before I go into the other things that the, the other policies that we offer today, I just really wanted to focus more on the accident and injury policy one more time and, and really go over how it works. So, um, over the, uh, over Christmas break, I, I had a client who, uh, was, uh, was traveling with his family and, and they got in a serious car accident and, um, uh, they ended up spending their holidays in the hospital and uh, his wife was in serious condition and was in the ICU and almost passed away and their kids were in the car and, and it was, it was a pretty serious, pretty horrible thing. And so I, I ended up spending most of my time at the hospital with his family, making sure that they were going to be able to afford it because in a situation like that, where, um, 
you know, bad things can happen. The last thing that you want to think about is how in the world am I going to afford this? Because your health insurance is kind of going to give out after a certain amount of time where, yeah, it pays for those little things and it, and it takes care of uh, the regular hospital visits, but anything serious beyond that, your health insurance will, will drop the ball a little bit. And so we were able to, to pay this family $60,000 and, and that's going to make it so that they can, they, they can get through this whole thing and heal and, and take time off work and, and do what they need to do. And, uh, to, to their family and not have to worry about any of the financial ramifications of that. And so for, for anybody that's a breadwinner of their family or, or even just contributes a large amount of money to the income of their family and, and wants extra protection and, and wants to be, you know, wants, wants to be financially safe when things like this happen. Um, you know, that's what we're here for, and that's what we can do. Let's talk about cost for a second, Alex, because it's very affordable, right? Yeah. So this particular family, their policy, they pay $75 a month. And uh, for $75 a month, they were able to get, you know, protection that paid them out $60,000 or something seri- uh, for something serious like that. Most of the time, for uh, for a couple or for a family with a wife and kids, uh, so husband, wife, and kids, you're looking around the, the 40 to $60 range. So something really, really affordable and easy to get. All right. GlobeLifeFamilyHeritage.com. GlobeLifeFamilyHeritage.com. Uh, is that the best place to get started? Yeah, yeah. So you can go to GlobeLifeFamilyHeritage.com and then take a look at the different policies and see what there is. And then if uh, you're ready to have a more specific conversation, give me a call at 385 985 5138. That's my cell phone number. And, and so, uh, yeah, feel free to give me a call. I'll make sure that I, I, I talk to everybody that's interested and, and are able to help them out. Hit us with that number one more time. Yeah, 385-985-5138. All right, Alex, you are the best. Thank you very much for jumping on with us. We appreciate you. Thank you, Jake. All right, again, that number, 385-985-5138. Also, globelifefamilyheritage.com. More next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. There isn't much that makes Austin Horton angry. Wait, who are we kidding? Almost everything makes Austin upset. This is Austin's airing of grievances. The tradition begins with the airing of grievances. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time for Austin's List. Brought to you today by our friends at Zero Res. Start your year off fresh and clean with a call to Zero Res Carpet Cleaning. Get three rooms of carpet clean for just $89.95. Schedule with Zero Res today. Online, ZeroResSaltLake.com. Uh, Austin, uh, the producer of the big show, of course, has an enemies list, someplace you don't want to end up, but uh, we often put people on it. Who are we putting on there today, Austin? Weiss Market is going on the list today. Let me ask you a what question. What they do? Uh, what's your favorite flavor of ice cream, Gordon? Uh, boy, that's a tough one. I'll, I'll go with cookies and cream. Why not? Okay, Jake, do you have a favorite ice cream? You don't like ice cream, do you? No, I like ice oh, cream. Uh, I'm kind of boring. Uh, well, I would say mint chocolate chip probably, but I also like vanilla. 
Just vanilla or yeah. French vanilla? Vanilla bean or just straight up vanilla? Vanilla bean. <laughs> yeah, the yeah. vanilla bean's your yeah. favorite. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you both like a vanilla base in your ice cream. We can mm-hmm. agree, that's for sure. Uh, yeah, but well, I like chocolate too. Does that make me confused? Not a lot of people say chocolate ice cream, just plain chocolate, but that's really good. Uh, all right, uh, the Food and Drug Administration has shared that Weiss Markets, W-E-I-S, I don't know that they actually get to our market. I think they're more of an East Coast thing, but we'll see. Uh, they are recalling more than 11,000 containers of ice cream. Now, you know, the FDA, they allow some things to happen at the factory. I don't think that's a surprise to anybody. If, if you get an eyelash in your ice cream carton, it's not getting recalled up to a certain number of eyelashes, so to speak. This is not uh, The Jungle by Upton Sinclair, uh, brought to you by uh, The Big Show today. But uh, 11,000 cartons are said to have been contaminated or likely contaminated by metal pieces, not metal shavings, intact metal pieces from the equipment in the ice cream factory at Weiss Markets. So someone bit into their ice cream, and in fact, it was a cookies and cream flavor. And they bit into an intact metal piece of tubing from the factory's uh, machine, which launched an investigation. Turns out the machine's been shedding pieces for 11,000 containers of ice cream uh, across the board. So Weiss Markets, they're on the list today because I could see if this was one or two containers. But when you've got 11,000 that have been contaminated, that machine's been shedding for some time, and you've just kind of not noticed. It seems like maintenance is not really a priority. That's right. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So what you're saying, Austin, is that Jake's favorite flavor would be mint chocolate chip your tooth? I'm not saying that. I never would say such an egregious thing on these airwaves. But you can say it. Okay. That's so bad, man. I know. Oh. Man, could you imagine finding like a a a, a nut or a, a screw or something in your ice cream? Have either of you had a, a similar experience anywhere at any time? Have you bitten into something and and had something sharp or anything in it? No, no. I've been fortunate enough to avoid that. I'm no Gordon has. No, I don't. I, well, I've stumped you. I, Here comes. He's got a story. He, he's you, got it. You may have. No, I mean, I I've like. Here it is. I've broken a tooth on something before, but I can't remember whether it was something that was totally out of the ordinary, you know? I mean, like, sometimes you'll chomp down on some popcorn, and there will be a hard kernel in there, and it'll, you know, could hurt your tooth. But, uh, like, a piece of metal? I don't think I've I've seen that. No, I haven't. My, my uncle got- ordered a pizza once, and there was a piece of the rack in the pepperoni pizza, and he bit down on it, and it cut him. You ever seen the movie Down Periscope? Yes, yeah. uh, your yes. suggestion. Yeah, where the where the cook comes in, or no, no, Rob Schneider comes into the cook and he says, "I've I found a fingernail in my breakfast yesterday. I found a band aid." And he goes, "Well, the band aid was holding the fingernail on." <laughs> <laughs> so Weiss Markets is on the list. Pay attention when your machine starts falling apart, will you? Yeah, that sounds to me like they ignored some maintenance for a while. Like, hey, hey! What's the, that clanging sound? Never mind it. Get that ice cream it. out of here. It's fine. It's supposed to do that. <laughs> this don't one's worry. rattling. Yep, <laughs> that's the extra chips. <laughs> sure is. Oh man! All right. All right. So Weiss. I've never even heard of, of it Weiss. It says it's mostly east, northeast. Uh, it does get out to Wisconsin. So 
and they take their ice cream very seriously. <laughs> they do. In, yeah. in What's Wisconsin something? doing importing their ice cream? That's a good point. That's that seems ridiculous. Yeah. Hmm. You know, this wouldn't have happened if they just went with far better ice cream. You know what? One of my personal favorites, uh, particularly like the 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 talented person who voices most of their spots here on the station. Uh, he must be a millionaire because he's got some golden golden pipes going. There. Yeah, he does. That uh, that's a fact. Do you remember uh, Jake when we uh, concocted our own ice cream flavors? I do. Mm-hmm. Mine was really good. I may have overdone it a tad bit because I tried to put too much in there. It sounds like you're a minimalist, which is probably a, a. I can't remember what your flavor was. What was it? I don't even remember what I did either. But yeah, I kept it pretty simple. Yeah, that's pretty good. It was pretty good, but mine was crowded. It's better to pace yourself there. All right, uh, who knew you could put, you know, string cheese in ice cream? We've got uh, PK joining us next. Stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Former NFL and Ute great Eric Weddle. You play for a chance at a championship, right? 27 straight years I've played football, and I have zero championships to my name. Now, we did go undefeated in 04, but we weren't number one in the country. We didn't get a BCS championship ring, so that doesn't count. And I never won a Super Bowl, never won a high school CIS championship, never won Pop Warner championship. So that's why I played, and now... Now, every guy that's in the playoffs has a chance to experience that. When a guy holds up that trophy after they won the Super Bowl, you envision yourself doing that. That's why it's the greatest sport in the world. Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Oh, hey guys. Jake here for my friend Zed Zero Resin. Happy anniversary to the good folks at Zero Res. They've been here cleaning carpets, tile, and upholstery in this market. Uh, it's their 17th anniversary, which is great. And you know what? I've had a terrific relationship with Zero Res for well over a decade. They've been coming to my house and taking great care of my carpets and uh, let me tell you, they do a terrific job. That powered water technology is just amazing. They don't use soaps or shampoos or harsh chemicals. Uh, they've got that patented technology that can actually gets your carpets cleaner and doesn't leave behind residue, which uh, the residue is sticky, right? So it attracts dirt back into your carpets. So with Zebra Res, it means your carpets stay cleaner longer. Their customer service is incredible. Uh, they take great care of my house every time they, they come over. They use the shoe guards. Uh, they use the corner guards for the furniture. Uh, of course, masks, uh, you know, in today's day and age are absolutely a thing with Zero Res. Trust me, they'll take great care of your home, just like they've done for me over the years. And right now, for Zone listeners, they're throwing it back to their original pricing. So you can get three rooms of carpet clean for just $89.95, their lowest three-room deal ever. So call them, 801-288-9376. Tell them Jake from The Zone sent you. They're going to hook you up. Three rooms clean, $89.95, their original pricing, 801-288-9376. That's 801-288-ZERO. <laughs> Is the Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. It's the Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. 
Jazz Cavs tonight. Uh, Tip-off coming your way a little after 5.30. Pre-game begins at 4.30. Tim Lacombe will jump into the studio with me. But uh, joining the show now, of course, you hear him each and every morning uh, alongside David James from 6 to 10. He's got a a column up right now at uh, KSL.com headlined, Not paying to play big-time football could cost BYU. He is our friend Patrick Kinahan. What's happening, PK? Oh, man, that's just a freaking clever headline. I'm telling you, if I don't win 2021 Sports Rider of the Year, I'm done. <laughs> you're, you're calling it? You're going to call it a career? <laughs> you say that's it? I, I remember when you won columnist of the year when you were writing for the Watchdog. Yeah, that was a funny story because Anastasi, the old sports editor, he loved to go after those uh, contests, and I didn't even know I, I didn't even know I was entered. I didn't even know that I won. I found out on uh, one morning I was looking at the obituaries, and the story was right next to the obituaries, and I saw my name in there. That's how I found out I won. Who'd you beat out that year? Nobody special. Nobody. <laughs> no. Gordon, you what, there? What, what, what exact award was that, PK? <laughs> I don't know. He did the one where he got first place. Mm. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's always good who, to honor greatness, you know. I mean, as you know, Anastasi was so big on that. He used to enter everybody. I don't know who entered or what it was. Or I didn't. I certainly. I've never entered a contest. I'm like Joe Ingles, man. As long as I'm winning, the individual stats don't matter. Gordon feels the same way. I'm sure. I don't enter contests, although oftentimes I'm asked to suggest uh, various entries in contests. So, yeah, I mean, whatever. I mean, it's all good. All right, PK, let's talk about your latest uh, up at KSL.com. Give us kind of the gist. We'll, uh, we'll tweet it out, and it would encourage listeners to go give it, uh, give it a read for themselves. But what are you getting into uh, this week? Well, the idea that uh, if BYU is going to be successful, and obviously you can debate the level of their scheduling and all that stuff, but the truth is they were 11-1, and and they were prolific on offense. I mean, you look at Boise State, what they did. You look at Central Florida. Those, in my mind, are the two best historically over the last 10 years or 15 years, whatever you want to do, the best power or non-power five, so group of five. They didn't used to call them a group of five. It's a new uh, new phrase, right? So with that in mind, uh, their offense was very good. So that just means people are going to come after them. And sure enough, Jeff Grimes, he gets uh, opportunity to go to Baylor to be the offensive coordinator. And then uh, he takes Mateos. So they lose two, off- two guys off their offense of coaching. And one of the things that was so critical to their success was the continuity of their coaching staff, as they've said many, many times, which is why Kalani Sataki quickly promoted Aaron Roderick and Fessy Sataki. So if they continue to have success, well, more people are going to come poach them. And BYU normally just says, okay, thank you, good luck. And they want to play big-time football, and they do play big-time football. But the question remains, is the financial commitment there as far as paying the coaches what the going rate is? And normally the answer to that is no. How far below the going rate uh, are the are the I'm sorry the BYU salaries, PK? Yeah, well, it depends uh, on who's doing. And then they came up there, and interestingly enough, they really jacked up the price on Ty Detmer, and that didn't work. <laughs> or Ty Detmer jacked up the price on them. They were intent on having him, so 
Uh, and that was what we're going back four years now or so. So obviously prices have gone up, but there's been a number of guys who coached at BYU who've left. And since we've been around so long now, I tend to know them. And so I talked to them before I, and I've talked to them many times over, but recently about what I wrote here and, you know, I don't want to quote anybody cause they don't want to be quoted, but I can tell you that, Guys, like when Bronco left, you know, it was he was going to get, what did he get, $3.25 million or something? And BYU just had no intention whatsoever of matching it. And that's fine. That's a lot of money. But as far as the assistants, there's a couple of things. I had multiple assistants tell me that they weren't guaranteed a job at BYU. And then when Bronco offered them a job to go to Virginia, well, they accepted on a couple of conditions. One, they didn't know if Kalani was going to hire him. I don't think Kalani had been named the coach. It was probably going to be him, but he had, he wasn't named the head coach at that time. So they didn't know if they had the job. And secondly, they more than doubled their salary for the exact same position. Now, these are guys that told me this specifically. More than doubled. They went from like 150 to close to 400 to be a position coach. So it was an absolute 100% no-brainer. Of course they were going to do that. And then also, too, I have knowledge of when Kalani was putting together his staff, there was a story, and and this is an absolute gospel truth. And if you don't want to believe it, that's your call. I'm I'm not going to... I don't believe in arguing with people. You can't persuade or convince anybody. They're going to believe what they believe. And so I'll just state it. It's up to you whether you want to believe it or not. Um, But that they were going after somebody that they wanted. And that guy obviously was coaching at another school, another institution. And the coach of that other program just said, fine, whatever they offer you, if it's a raise, I'll give you more. So he stayed. (laughs) And so you, Kalani ended up, then with a whole bunch of inexperience on that first staff. And since then, guys have come and gone. And this is a quote that I had received here recently. It's a miracle we do as well as we do with what we pay the coaches. So let me ask you this, uh, PK. Where do you think that, um, you know, it's culture, right? Uh, it's or that, the, where do you think that idea is coming from? Or, or the who's the gatekeeper on the cache? Well, you have to go all the way up to the chain, the board of trustees, I think. You know, they're the ones with the ultimate power. If that's what you're asking in Provo, they're the ones who decide. And BYU doesn't want to do that. They don't want to be involved in that arms race. And that's their choice. Uh, But you can't blame someone for taking off. And I realize with Grimes, you know, he was going to go home to Texas. He's not an LDS guy. Great dude, though. I've I've known him for many years back when he was first there, and he was at ASU. I knew some guys who knew him way back when. We're going back over 15 years now. So, obviously, that opportunity to go home is going to uh, be enticing, plus they're going to increase your salary substantially, and then you can grow your mustache down below your mouth, which was an issue, but nevertheless... uh, he took that job, and then you know, Mateos. It's it's just I don't like that. It's just a no brainer that these guys just take off. You know, it'd be nice if and BYU's done a good job of increasing the salaries, but they're still behind. And I was told that compare it to what the staff at Boise State makes, and Boise State is a public institution, so you can go look it up. 
precisely to see what their guys are making. And what does Boise play? Maybe two power fives uh, in their season, one early, and then maybe they get one in the bowl game if they should be fortunate enough. Whereas BYU is playing five, six, seven. So, and if they have more success, chance that they, they could lose some guys that, with the restrictions that they have, it's not as easy to get somebody in there to be a coach. So it's a little bit of a problem. Now, PK, down there they have that, uh, what's that committee called of boosters that uh, pump uh, some cash into the salaries of the coaches? I wonder how high they're allowed to go because there's some fairly wealthy, well-heeled boosters involved in that process. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's uh, something uh, I was talking with somebody on uh, about Grimes taking off and saying, you know, what's the deal? And if Kalani, Kalani puts together another good season, I mean, the guy, we all know him, right? He is so lovable and can handle himself so well. And if he's got that literal record to back it up, people are going to come after him. He's still young enough. He can make a couple of moves if he wanted to. And so they're asking me, well, can't uh, Booster XYZ put some money in the coffers? I said, yeah, could, but I don't know that BYU is going to allow that because reputation and image is very, very important. And so be it. That's what they want. You know, I had a guy here, I wrote what I wrote, and then he comes at me, oh, Alabama loses coaches every year, so we're like Alabama. And I get it. You want to take shots at me. This is nothing that I'm saying. It's what's being told to me. But Alabama doesn't lose guys for lateral positions. They lose guys when they move up. Lane Kiffin, Steve Sarkeesian, uh, Loxley. Uh, the list goes on and on because we know that uh, Saban, I think that, uh, what is he, like 14-0 and 0 or something against his former coaches, head, to head coach versus head coach. So, yeah, people move up. But I don't know that Alabama loses anybody laterally. Are they going to be outspent? And you're not going to ask in BYU to outspend anybody. It just could be a little bit of an erosion. Maybe not. Maybe they're fine. But when one of their own folks, or used to be one of their own folks, says to me, it's a miracle that they do as well as they do, that obviously opened my eyes a little bit. So I wonder, people- though, if they're, if, they're, if they're able to enhance the salaries already, which they do. I've talked to individual boosters who are a part of that process. I wonder if the school itself steps in and says, even if it's not their money, they still step in and say, no, we don't want you to go that high. Yeah, That, yeah, seems, yeah. that sounds yeah. counterproductive to me because it's uh, not their money to begin with, but maybe they're concerned about the, the precedence. That well, sure they are. And then, you know, nothing is for free. Uh, if I give you money, what am I getting in return? Spence Eccles can literally walk out and be in the huddle on the practice field if he wants. <laughs> I've seen it. Phil Knight. Now, Phil Knight, yeah, that's a, that's a much better example, Gordon. That's Yeah, that's the ultimate example here on our side of the country. Phil Knight has headphones. And not to pump in Black Sabbath, but to hear what's being said as far as uh, what's going on in the game. Yeah, so they don't want to do that. And that certainly is their right, and I respect that greatly. Because once you go down that road, you know, then you got to make sure that you're catering to whoever that person or persons are to be able to uh, make sure that their needs are, are taken care of. 
When it comes to these sorts of things, PK, you know, you compare salaries to your peers, right? You know, yeah. what, what is somebody else doing the same job for the same level of, of program in this case? You know, right. what are they making down the road? And, and I guess who are BYU's peers? Because I do think it's a little unfair to compare yeah. it to a program like UVA where they've got more money coming in. And, and frankly, UVA is making way more money than they're worth, in my opinion. Um, but uh, with BYU, who are their peers, and how do they stack up to those peers? Well, what, you mean competitively? Or, or whatever level. I mean, are they, because, are I mean, they, they G5, they, P5? I mean, who are well, their peers? They, 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 as they should, they, I think they view themselves as a P5 program. They should, man. Look at their fan base. The facilities are good. Look at how many teams you get in Notre Dame to come in near stadium. Not very many. So how far off are they then from paying like a P5 team? Well, as I said, it was compared to Boise. They're nowhere near it. It's a, back to the original quote. It's a miracle that they do as well as they do. Okay. Oh, so financially, they're way below. Maybe no, but but that's up to the individuals. Uh, some, I'm not saying Kalani takes off. You know, maybe you could. I believe you should try to hire one of your own if you can. Uh, and obviously they did that with Kalani. He spent a lot of time in Provo as a former player there. So who's to say that he's going to go chasing some money deal to go coach in the Pac-12? I don't know that he is. Uh, but it's something to be at least concerned about uh, because you want – it's a Chris Hill thing. You want guys, other schools, to come after your guys because they're only coming after your guys or ladies, whatever it might be, if they're doing well, right? They're not going to come after you if you're not doing well. But then – what do you do there? You, you gotta, sometimes you got to pay up a little bit. you got to pay the price. And the price is going outrageously high. I understand that. But it could potentially be a problem down the road. Well, if you look at – if you're talking about football alone, Kyle Whittingham, what's he – he's up around $4 million PK. And uh, Bronco Mendenhall, as you mentioned, 3.4. Nick Saban at 9.3. That's an extreme example. But the estimates yeah. I've seen on Kalani's is uh, 1.5 or thereabout. So it is. Yeah, no, I mean, to, well, to me and Jake, that's a lot of money. Purposely, <laughs> I left someone out. But to, to me and Jake, <laughs> that's a lot well, of relative, cash. Lot. Relatively speaking, I mean, Kalani, Kalani and Kyle are good friends. I'm, I don't know whether they talk about how much they make. And I don't know how Kalani can get by on just $1.5 million. I mean, that, that's, that's, my point is that's yeah. a lot of money. But when you compare it, it to what other folks are making, it's... Yeah, there's no question. I mean, Kyle Whittingham is making at least three times as much. But it's just not the individual salaries to the coaches that I want to highlight because outgoing coaches in that Virginia situation telling me it was more than the money you're giving me. It was what we have available in recruiting and how we have to travel with recruiting, with the budgets that we have that some other schools don't know. These are guys who, uh, there was a few of those guys, I don't want to name names, you can probably figure it out, but there was a few of those guys that had deep, deep roots in BYU. So they had no uh, reason to slam them because they were BYU guys from the time they were teenagers. And they coached there and, and you know made their mark there. But they're telling me, hey, this is what we're dealing with. The school up the road, what they're dealing with in 
uh, available money for recruiting and trips. And then when you bring the guys on campus, all that stuff, you know, it's pretty much a beauty contest to some degree, especially the high level kids. You got to love them a thousand times over. You know what I mean? Um, Bronco wasn't fond of doing that, but you had to do that. And if somebody else, we know 17, 18-year-olds, they're attracted by shiny helmets of all things. I mean, that was Oregon's big deal. Wow, look at those helmets. I'm thinking, who gives a flying you-know-what about the helmets, man? I'm not saying you got to be Joe Paterno and have all white. But, you know, you're going to base your decision on a helmet, and a helmet is going to have some factor in your decision? Well, the answer is yes to those young people. That lot of glitz and glitter, it matters. Well, PK, uh, we appreciate uh, you jumping on the show, man, as always. Anything else on your mind? You got anything for Gordon? Oh, my goodness. Are things on my mind? Are you kidding me? Let freedom ring. That's all I can say. Jeez. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Thank you, PK. We'll be listening way, tomorrow PK, morning. PK, I got your Christmas gift here. It's sitting right in front of me right now, and I still haven't uh, been able to deliver it to you. Well, that's so your call, you, man. When are you going to get that you're, vaccine? If you're, ever, if you're ever driving by the place, uh, I'll, I'll give it, maybe I'll bring it down to your well, place. You, I mean, what's I the code get to get through the gate? Like July. <laughs> what's the code to get through the gate again? I mean, if I if I'm over there, I mean, jeez, yeah. When are you getting that vaccine, man? My wife's getting it here in a couple of days. Is she good for her, man? I'm going to get it too. Well, I'm going to get it. She's a teacher. Yeah. Well, yeah, teachers right. are what are they? Uh, they say front line or second line. I don't know where the where they are in the deal. I mean, I know the healthcare workers obviously are extremely important, as are many folks. I figure for guys like me and Jake, man, geez, we'll be onto something else by the time we get it. Yeah, so <laughs> we'll be we'll we'll get it right before Christmas. It'll be great. Uh, uh, the what else, PK? You know, earlier in our show, we have Austin's list where he's talking about the things that are bothering him. Uh, what's really bugging <laughs> you right now, man? I, I, I mean, I, give us the dirt, man. I want to know what's really bugging you. <laughs> you know what's bugging me? When they go to that stupid ex-referee on the football games, and he says, okay, did he have possession firmly before the left foot came down? Why don't you tell us, when the light turns green, it's your turn to go. It drives me nuts. Do they ever tell you anything that you don't already know, that you can't see for yourself easily? Am I the only guy who's bugged by that? Uh, I, I see what you're saying. I've wondered that myself because it's pretty, it's, you know, it's pretty evident normally. Every once in a while, there's one of those calls where you just go, okay, that could go either way. But Well, there's some rules interpretation. But if they just go and tell you what you just saw, and I'm for work. I don't want anybody to lose their jobs. Uh, definitely not. And in our industry, we've been hit by some great people have been laid off, and it really bothers me. So I don't want anybody to lose their jobs. But can they spice it up a little bit, man? Maybe have somebody who has no idea. Well, hell if I know, Joe. What do you think, uh, man? What, what, what looks like me? Rather than some ex-referee ex who comes on as he's speaking from Mount Sinai or something, and he's giving us the commandments. You know, did his, did that left foot drag before it went out of bounds? Duh! I like Bye. it. Yeah. Thanks, yeah. PK. Be well. We'll, we'll be listening Bye. tomorrow. Go Jazz! <laughs>
There you go. The one and only Patrick and Anna. Again, his uh, his uh, column is up at uh, KSL.com if you want to uh, give that a listen, talking about salaries uh, for BYU coaches. Uh, yeah. PK just makes me laugh. See, he always says. I was just telling PK, Even, they ought to bring a fan on from each team and let them fight over whether it was a catch or not. <laughs> like fist fight? Like Gordon's yeah, hockey Whatever. Career? Whatever gets the ratings up. Yeah, okay. Whoever wins <laughs> the, wrestle, the arm wrestling, the, that's the ruling. I, I would think say they battle, should let the... I would say battle by combat, but that might stir some political thoughts. How about, how about the receiver fights the corner? And uh, whoever uh, yes. falls to the ground first loses, like, I'm with you. like hockey. Yep, yep. Oh, I thought I thought you wanted the fans to fight. No, the the receiver in the corner. Jake improved on my idea. Yeah, yeah. Just right. fist fight. Right. Meet at the 50 on the logo. Right. <laughs> whoever gets pushed off the logo first, that team wins. Like sumo style. <laughs> yes. Okay. I like the that. Biggest offensive lineman you yeah, got. Yeah, that works. Just uh, leave the belts away. I don't need to see that. But uh, no, I, I think I think the way they're doing it, the way they're doing it now is fine. I just wish they'd hurry it up a little bit because oftentimes we all know the conclusion before the referee themselves get around to figuring it out, and then in the meantime they're deferring in the booth, uh, they're deferring to their ex-official, uh, uh, former head of officiating for whatever organization it is, and he's he's telling you what he thinks when it's usually fairly clear to anybody who's watching. I'm of the, uh, I know I'm I'm in the minority big time on this, but get rid of replay, replay, period. Let's just call it on the field and move on with life. Do we, do we do you all really need think to, that? Yes, 100%. That, that, that's fine until it's not fine. That's fine until, until it is absolutely, fine. What I don't like is him checking like every other play. Yeah. Come on, let's just get on with just it. Just don't do it but, at all. Uh, just well, move on yeah, with but, the game, yeah, please. Uh, yeah, but that, that would have changed... The results of games. Yeah, they get it wrong uh, half the time. Are you related anyway. to Dick Bavetta or something? Well, look what happened with uh, with Chad Bunn. I mean, how often do they get it right anyway? Just just move on. They usually get it right. They do. They not. usually get it right. I mean, yeah, look at do. what happened. They in get the, it right more often than they don't. Look at what happened in the Colts uh, 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 Bills game in the Colts uh, last possession. That was that was one hundred ten out of ten people would have called that a fumble. <laughs> And somehow Indianapolis retained possession. I mean, they, they don't know what they're doing anyway. Just have it the call on the field and let, let's move on with life. Pete, uh, look, look I, I say it this way. Usually when there's a penalty called, they, they, they get it right. Uh, and you're thinking of the one time out of 25 where they get it wrong. Yeah, I think it's a little higher than that. But Do you sure. really? Uh-huh. I think it's a lot higher than that, actually. All right. I don't think there's a better admission that the refs are or aren't betting on the game, Jake, than watching a replay and seeing what they decide. How would you watch that Bills call against the Colts and not like call I that? Like I said, out? every once in a while, Jake, it happens. Well, this was a, a playoff game, and it certainly could have altered what happened. So, I mean, let's just get rid well, of it. Well, what did Ralph up in the booth when they consulted him? What did he say? They called it. Uh, they called him down or whatever. I don't know. He was either drunk or, or had money on the game. He was watching Dawson's Creek. Either, either way, let's cut Ralph out of the stinking process. <laughs> no, I'm not talking about the guy who's involved in the actual call. I'm talking about the guy who they who the broadcasters confer with in the meantime. Oh, who cares about that guy? That guy probably is drunk. But that's who PK was originally uh, alluding to. All right, Gordon, you enjoy your afternoon, buddy. I'll catch you tomorrow. 
All right, see y'all. Jazz Game Night pregame show starts next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. I knew that was about the end of it. So long, farewell, I'll be saying goodnight. I hate goodbyes. This thing is over! That'll do, Pink. That'll do.